Hi, welcome back to the Duck Pond Wall. I'm your host, Monica Hoyle, and we're not quite on the Duck Pond Wall today, but we are on a lake today. I am happy to have as my guest today, Sarah Moody Varnell, Emory and Henry class of 2005, and we are hanging out at Lake Junaluska, North Carolina. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? I'm doing great, Monica. There are some ducks out there and some swans, I believe, and maybe some children and people walking. And, exactly. And yeah. probably a wall somewhere yeah, if we look. Yeah, definitely they're, walls. Absolutely. Yeah, ho hopefully we'll tear them down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what Ooh. a good way to get into this conversation. Yeah. So we're actually at Lake Junaluska today because every year the Holston Annual Conference meets here. It's all the preachers in Holston Conference. They all come together and they hang out at Lake Junaluska to do the business of the church for Holston Conference. And we are here today. It's kind of an it's kind of an unusual year for Holston Conference because we've just been in the news a good bit because a good number of churches in Holston Conference have chosen to disaffiliate with the United Methodist Church. And I was just admitting to Sarah that I frankly have had a hard time understanding what's going on right now. And since we're here and there's a whole bunch of ministers and she is one of my favorites, don't tell the others, she's one of my favorite <laughs> United Methodist ministers because she has such a good heart. Um, I just wondered if you would sort of help us get a handle on what's going on right now. So this, this huge chunk of churches has left the Holston Conference, has left the United Methodist Church. Can you help us understand why? I will do my best, Monica. And let me just say that I always tell people that I'm your favorite <laughs> and you have the ability to make everyone feel like your favorite. So that's one of the reasons why we love you. Aww, that's I know, so cute. I know. I had to get that on record. That's so cute. Um, yeah, I got to embarrass Monica sometimes. I am totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's a long story. It's taken a lot of years for us to get to this place. Um, and we have been in conversations for a long time about um, what the United Methodist Church looks like, what is essential to us, and all those things. And so I guess what's happened um, in a nutshell, and a bit, it's a very tiny nutshell because it's a, a big conversation, <laughs> it's a big um, is that um, General Conference, we had the called session, um, then of course COVID, which then put things off. And when we had the called session, um, the vote ended up leaning in a more traditional direction around LGBTQ stances that we have in our Book of Discipline. Um, and so after that occurred, there was a paragraph that was included in that that allowed churches who were uncomfortable with that language to disaffiliate. Except what happened, I don't think people predicted, because what happened was that churches that were uncomfortable with that language decided they wanted to stay and that they still loved the church and hoped to see change and transformation occur. So instead what happened was... Um, a new denomination began because they were basically tired of waiting for the general conference to meet. Right. And so they went ahead and started this new denomination. We'd had several conversations around like splitting. Um, I'm trying, I can't think of the words right now, but um, those of you that are paying attention to this, you've seen a couple of the variations of that, of how we could split the church. Right. Um, but those conversations never got to be ratified because the general conference couldn't meet and the general conference speaks for the church. So instead, this new denomination began, the Global Methodist Church, and because General Conference hasn't met, it's not officially recognized by the United Methodist Church, ah. because again, the General Conference has to approve that. And so in order for that new denomination to get its start, they needed churches in the mix. Uh -huh. And so instead, there's there's been a use of that paragraph for um, the tra more traditional churches to leave. 
well, because we, they anticipate that things are going to change in a way that they're uncomfortable with in the future. Yeah, and see, and that's part of what confuses me. Let's talk about what the paragraph is. Sure. So what is the language? What is the actual issue that has caused the hubbub? Right. Because it, it focuses around the LGBTQ community, right? Correct. And people that are in that more conservative place, I think what they would say, um, and I hope I hear them well when they say this, is that they aren't... They don't feel that they're unwelcoming to LGBTQ people. Um, it's how they feel about whether or not um, that is um, something that they would affirm. Um, they would uh, want a person to change. Uh, and So you're welcome. It's you're like welcome. There, there was a play at Barter years ago. I love you. You're perfect. Now change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, th I think they, they feel a disconnect there sometimes that they can't quite wrap their brains around um, with people who think differently about that. Like, well, that's what we see. Um, so I forgot the question. Oh, what does it say? Yeah, so, um, so, what is it, so what does it currently say? Yeah, so what it currently says is um, the discipline says that um, um, homosexuality is incompatible with, with Christian teaching. Um, it also says that um, people who are homosexual are of sacred worth. Um, so those are um, two things that are... Um, well, that almost doesn't agree with each other, does it? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a difficult place to walk. And the United Methodist Church has historically been in an in-between place. So what you'll see happening with the discipline is it's much easier to add things than it is to take away. Oh. So sometimes a group that's on one end of an issue will add something. Mm -hmm. And then a group that's on another end of that issue will add something to soften, soften it. it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's some of the history there. Um, the other piece is that um, you cannot um, serve as a clergy person um, if you are a self-avowed practicing homosexual, is, can, the, is the term. That's the phrase. Can you be married in the Methodist Church legally? No. No. Okay. So, um, so, those, are, so those are big ones. Yes. Yeah, so clergy are not allowed to do right. um, weddings of same-sex individuals either. Yeah. So, so what it boils down to is then the people who have left, it's not that they disagree with the whole, <laughs> it's just that they think they think that probably the United Methodist Church is going to change that and make it more, more, even more inclusive than yes. we are right they, now. They predict that we're going to make it more inclusive. So they just um, hightailed it. And so I, I think it's kind of a, they were tired of being in the conversation. <laughs> and so they said, we're just going to go do our own thing over here and, um, you know, and join this global Methodist church. So our, our bishop has worked really hard to, um, to be very understanding of different perspectives. Um, we wish people well as they've journeyed on, right. but it also really makes us sad. And I think the reason it makes me sad, I'll speak for myself, is because I, I like to have conversation partners that are different from me. They, they challenge me, they sharpen me, they encourage me. Um, they make me mad sometimes, you know, <laughs> but I, I like that we can find that common ground of we have a, a shared faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so one of the sad parts for me, too, has been there's been a lot of things going around about um, the United Methodist Church um, not even believing in some of the things that we say in our historic creeds. And um, that, that's just not true. It's not been my experience. So there's been all. a little bit of spin about what the United Methodist Church is really even standing for right yes. now. What I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm. I try to be pretty well read because 
um, I've had the opportunity to serve as a jurisdictional delegate. So I want to make sure I'm reading all the different interest groups right. and and not just reading it, but I really challenge myself to understand where they're coming from, why they think the way that they think, um, where where their passion and their heart is in that. Mm. Because I think that's what God calls us to do is to to make room at the table um, for people. Well, how does that work within a con within a, a denomination? Do you have to agree on everything? Is is there something that says, okay, we're United Methodist, so here's a here's a checklist. We have to agree on absolutely everything because that's what makes us United Methodist. See, I would say no. Um, for, from my perspective, I think that we can, as long as we agree on the central things, which what I would call central things are like, you know, believing in Jesus, <laughs> kind of a, a big thing for Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, How do we feel about love? We yeah, like love. love. We, we love love. Mm-hmm. love God love. is love. Mm-hmm. You know, love all, that, love. all that mm-hmm. good stuff. Um, you know, there's even, I even know some United Methodists that um, at times push back on some more classic doctrines, you know, um, but they stay within the fold of the greater narrative of who we are. And I think, like I said, I think that makes us stronger and smarter yeah. and more... Um, recognizing our limits as human beings because God is mysterious and God, I think I read somewhere that um, it's an inexhaustible work to try to understand God in fullness. Like you can't do that as a human being. You can't understand God fully. Because God Um, is bigger than all of us. God is so much bigger than all of us. And as soon as we think we have like a really, you know, solid understanding God looks in another direction and surprises us and pushes us and <laughs> says, actually, I think I want you to take this step over here. And um, yeah, so I, I don't think we have to agree on all the things. I think what, what, what I, are the things that we have, that if we're going to be United Methodists, what do you think there's like just a handful of like two or three things that we'd sort of have to agree on? Well, like I said, you know, Jesus, Jesus. That, mm-hmm. yeah, Jesus is good, love. Um, but also um, one of the things that I've loved and I've come into the United Methodist Church I did not grow up United Methodist. I have United Methodist family, um, but I really got involved in the United Methodist Church in my college years. Um, so I'm speaking, I guess, as an outsider coming in. One of the things that drew me was that commitment to a middle way, hmm. that I didn't have to have it all figured out, that I could have conversation partners, and I could challenge myself to think outside of what I've always thought. I love it that in the churches that I've served, that you have people, you, you can't, as a United Methodist, you can't get up and talk about politics um, in a very deep way as a preacher because our churches are full of people of all political ilks. Um, right. Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, people who don't care. Like, I mean, we're full of all of them. Whereas right. other denominations, I think they can be more clear on our, we're full of this kind of right. political affiliation. And I love that challenge. I think that's a very kingdom of God way to be. Well, kingdom of God, and also it's kind of we, what we say the country was founded on was mm-hmm. the chance to have sort of, you know, I mean, there's again, there's some things that hold us together, but we want people to have their own opinions about some right. things. Yeah. And I, I think that speaking of the country, I think that's part of why we've been driven to this place of having to make absolute decisions, because that's kind of the culture of the day right. is to to put people in real clear categories. And what we discover is when we have conversations with people, no one is in any clear categories. You know, I mean, we're all a little bit here and a little bit there. And we've just gotten in this habit of being very partisan in how we think about the world. Yeah. So 
Just to remind everybody, we're talking today with Reverend Sarah Moody Varnell, Emory Henry class of 2005, who's serving at Trinity United Methodist Church in Greenville. Yes, ma'am. And is here in Lake Genalesco, North Carolina, where all the Methodist preachers from Holston Conference are hanging out <laughs> this week. Um, we just had a great Emory Henry breakfast this morning, and so we had a chance to it talk. It was bow time. It was bow time. It's always <laughs> bow time at conference because <laughs> it's inexpensive and it's right across the street. Mm -hmm. So how handy. Can we talk just a minute about um, why don't I, what sort of the the the, the strength of the argument is? Um, people seem to have really strong feelings about this issue of the LGBTQ community. Um, again, I think you're right. I think a lot of the churches who are leaving would say, "Oh no, you know, we welcome that community in mm -hmm. our church," but there are certain things we want to allow them to do, mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't feel like complete freedom. Right, as it doesn't feel like welcome have. either. Right, right. Um, what, what what is that based in? Is there like a biblical basis for for having that attitude, where they say, "Well, you know, it says right here in Genesis that mm -hmm. that's something you can't do." You know that that's a great question, Monica. I, I think, and I think it gets at what is actually underneath all of this, because the presenting issue is a difference of opinion around LGBTQ plus individuals. Um, and people on both sides of the issue are well-read in scripture. They love scripture. They love God. And they point to different kinds of scriptures and will even interpret the same scripture in different ways. Oh, interesting. Um, yes. Yeah, so I think the underlying issue, um, which this is just the presenting one, mm -hmm. um, but the underlying piece is how we choose to engage with scripture. And in our United Methodist experience, this is another thing that drew me to the United Methodist Church. Um, we use um, something that's called the quadrilateral, the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Oh my which, gosh, what is that? I know, right? Isn't that a cool word? Yeah. Um, John Wesley didn't call it that. Someone else called that called it that later. Um, but the idea is that we use scripture, reason, tradition, and experience um, when we are coming up on topics of the day. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, I'm a... Um, a woman and a pastor and an ordained pastor at that. Yeah. And so the Bible has um, some some scriptures that you could point to that would say women are shouldn't be pastors. The Bible says women are pastors. Um, but we've chosen to um, to use that quadrilateral approach where we're thinking about scripture, reason, tradition, and experience. So what scripture says. Then we look at the tradition over time, mm -hmm. um, and we use our own brains because God gave us brains and hearts and the Bible. Mm -hmm. And we're like, but women can preach, and they're great preachers, you know. And then we use, you know, that our own experience of women in those roles. And in the United Methodist Church, we're very comfortable with women pastors. And I know there are some churches that have yet to have that experience. Um, my experience is that I've been the first female pastor in two churches I've served. Oh, wow. And both of those have been wonderful experiences for me. And, and I know I'm, I'm fortunate in that. I've heard so many stories about um, that being difficult other places. Um, but we've been able to do that work around that particular topic and issue. Um, so I think the underlying issue is just how we're reading scripture, interpreting scripture, thinking about scripture, and then how we choose to apply it to our lives. Right. Um, so I don't know that choosing any of the like proof texts would be super helpful just to know like the overall tenor is yeah. how are, which things are we going to take literally, which things are we going to say, hey, you know, the culture was different then. The culture is different now. Um, which things are we willing to um, to interpret a little bit and do some interpretive work? You know, um, and I, you know, and that is hard. I, we were talking about this ahead of time about the fact that 
everybody you talk to wants to cherry pick. They want to mm. find the things that mean the most to them. And it's in some ways, it's like it's like picking out your favorite psalm. Mm-hmm. You know, there are just certain things that speak to you mm-hmm. more than something else does. Mm-hmm. But when it gets down to the rules and regulations and we talked a little bit about what it means to be inclusive and exclusive. Um, it's hard to know who gets to make those decisions. Basically, right. if you're dealing with this giant book of scripture mm-hmm. and there's a lot of rules in there, there are a lot of, you know, rules that don't apply to some congregations or denominations more than others. And so, you know, who, for the, for the United Methodist church, who decides which of those scriptures we're going to live by. Right. Uh, that's another good question. You're full of good questions. I am Mark. full of a lot of stuff. Do you have like, you Motown. must have gone to a great college. I did. I mean, I... university. <laughs> oh, practically a university. <laughs> How about that? Um, no, that's that's a good question. Um, I got so excited about your question that I'm I just forgot, for, it. Yeah, I yeah. forgot it. Yeah. yeah, just, I mean, for the United Methodist Church, who says these are the scriptures we right. stand on and, and these are the ones that we're going to kind of right. not... So, so the general conference is the only group that speaks for the church. Okay. And what's powerful about that is that that's a group of human beings yeah. from all over the yeah. world. Yeah. Um, and so if you can get a group of human beings from all over the world to mostly agree on things, <laughs> you know, that that's a good way to move forward. Right. Um, so our discipline does talk about several different types of topics. And usually topics are added when they when they get prominence in our culture. Oh, that's they're, they're kind of added then. So this this topic of homosexuality is is not been in there forever. It's something right. that has been added as there's been that's been prominence right. given prominence in the community. Right. So that I think that's one hard thing is that um, nobody likes to watch the sausage being made <laughs> and like literally that we're making the sausage all the time in the United Methodist Church and like right. printing it and, right. and, and you know, displaying it, it as book. we're processing it. Yeah. So um, as I said, the general conference is who speaks for for us around yeah. those things. Yeah. Um, but also ultimately the guidance of the Holy Spirit and um, and hoping and praying that God leads us in that process. Yeah. So. Well, one of the things you said a minute ago that really touched my heart um, before we got started was the fact that you have to figure out which of those choices puts you on the side of Jesus and on the other side of Jesus, Mm -hmm. because there are things you can say and choose and pick out of that Bible that Mm -hmm. doesn't fit the definition of Jesus that we Mm -hmm. we have, or we think we have. Oh yeah. Many, many troubling things. I mean, there've been conversations for generations over things like genocide. Um, What does it mean for us to have scriptures that talk about God being on the side of one nation or another in a violent place. I mean, right. that's where things like just war theory and other things come from. Right. So all that's work that that we're doing. But I think we have to look at that overall tenor, especially those of us that follow Jesus, is how Jesus is typically challenging the people who are in the meetings at Lake Junaluska, people like us, <laughs> to really think deeper about why we do and think what we think. It's It's always the Pharisees and Sadducees that he is challenging right. the religious leaders of the day that right. he's challenging. He's not challenging the people that have been excluded. He's welcoming. Aww. And so I think we always have to find that like overall tenor. Um, I heard someone say one time that as soon as we draw a line in the sand and say this far, no further, Jesus typically, if he can't erase the line, steps on the other side of it and says, you're welcome here. You too. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. And it's, and it's, it's hard work. I mean, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be hard work, but it is in some ways 
hard work because it's so hard. Yeah. Because there's always going to be some new issue and there's mm -hmm. always going to be a pocket of people who are just mm -hmm. not comfortable with, I mean, maybe we're just not comfortable with new things. Right. I mean, I don't know what that is, but, but I think we have to remember that for Jesus, no people are issues. I'm going to let you say that again. For Jesus, no people are issues. No people. No people. Everybody's All people okay. are God's people. And so I think that's part of our struggle is that we've been in a, a space where we are seeing issues and not people. Yeah. Because locally, we tend to deal better when we're looking at people that we love, when it's our young person that grew up in our church, when it's our great uncle that we love, when it's our cousin that is getting married, it's, it becomes different. And I think that we're able to see scripture in a more gracious light mm -hmm. because of the love that we have for others. And I think we have to always remember that Jesus, I mean, the whole point of Jesus coming and being among us is this incarnational peace that God would wrap God's self in our nature, which is limiting and experience the world as we experience the world because people are people and people are beloved to God. That's so profound. I, I got so lost in listening to you. I, I forgot what I was going <laughs> to ask you next. Tell me, tell me how likely you think it is that the United Methodist Church is going to change the language and the discipline that has caused all this uproar. Mm -hmm. Well, I think anytime when you take out a segment of people who I feel like have walked away from the conversation and said, we're tired of having it yeah. and we want to go not have this conversation anymore, that's going to affect the total number of votes. It can't help but affect that. However, I don't think any of us know what the general conference will do. Every year that I've been a part of seeing general conference come, and every time I've read the predictions of what people think are going to happen, it never goes how people think it's going to happen. So I think for anybody to say that they know conclusively what is going to happen is pretty dangerous. Mm. Um, I also think that the denomination, because we are dependent upon um, each other, because mm -hmm. we are congregational and connectional, um, it means that we move slow. <laughs> Uh, right, we wait on we we have to hold on to each other and we're moving as a body instead of just one when you just like trudge up a mountain as one person you just have to like cut the path right in front of you right. but when you're trudging up a mountain with a group of people it just takes more time right. I mean goodness gracious ask Moses right <laughs> <laughs> took a really long time took, took a very long time many years many many, many, many years. years in that desert <laughs> it, it, what is your personal greatest hope for how this might shake itself out in the end? Mm -hmm. What would be the greatest sort of conclusion? I'm, I Again, not you're not predicting and, you know, because sure. <laughs> I, I appreciate the fact that you No one can predict it but me, Monica. Ex except for you. <laughs> except for you. And I'm going to write this down right, and no. we're going to reference it. But, you know, it's like you say, you've got to leave space for that big and mysterious God that, you know, is mm -hmm. beyond our, our understanding. But if, if you had sort of a wish to make about how this would work its way out, what mm -hmm. would it be? My... The greatest hope. So I, in full disclosure, I have three daughters, um, all of which have been baptized in the United Methodist Church and are being raised in the United Methodist Church. And my hope is that the church um, in the future um, is one that they continue to want to be part of. 
Um, and so as a, a clergy person serving people of all ages, I, I believe that we're all the church of the now. I, I don't like it um, when people say, that's the church of the future. No, we're all the church of the now, but we're working toward a future church together. Um, my greatest hope is that um, we're always becoming more like Christ. And I think being more like Christ means that we are always pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones, whether it's around this particular conversation or others. Um, there's a lot of conversations. Um, you asked me before we even started, you said, are there other things in the book of discipline that might, you know, be under the category of discriminatory. And I was like, oh, I, yes, many. Um, so it's something that we're, it's a constant work in progress. Right. We are a work in progress, right. but we believe that God is doing a new thing. Um, Bishop Palmer said the other night that he hates the phrase, nothing new under the sun, because he said that um, there's always new things under the sun because God is always doing something new mm. and God is doing something new in us. And there are new possibilities. There are new ways forward that we can't envision yet, um, but that God is working out. Nice. Mm -hmm. I had a, an older friend who used to say, if you really want to know how to be a good Christian, keep your eyes on Christ and mm -hmm. not the other Christians. Right. And so I love that you're, what you're saying is, you know, Jesus Jesus showed us that being a Christian is not the simplest thing in the world. Even, right. You know, I think and keep your eyes on Christ and stay around the table with other Christians is what I would right. add. You know, um, even when they frustrate you or, um, you know, are not in a similar place. Um, I think, and I will say, I think one thing that I like about the United Methodist Church as well is the expectation that we are respectful and, and kind to each other, you know, that we assume the best about each other. And that's, these arguments have brought out some of the ugliest sides yeah. of, you know, human interaction, I think. Yeah. So um, I think this annual conference has been refreshing. It's been hope filled. Um, our bishop has been really focused on um, all the possibility that God brings before us. Um, and everything has just been really inspiring. So nice. Yeah. So you're, you're going to leave conference this year feeling hopeful. Yeah. I'm a, I'm in the middle of my career, Monica, you know, and, there have been dark nights, you know, where I've thought, can I be a United Methodist clergy person forever living in the state of conflict that we've right. been in? It's a lot. And over and over and over again, I just feel like God is like, you think you all are living through conflict. You know, imagine what it's like for me to watch all the denominations, all the people of the world. Um, you know, so it is really, truly um, an honor to get to serve and um, to be a part of what God is doing. Um so, yeah, I am hopeful. That is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Reverend Sarah Moody Barnell, Emory and Henry Class of 2005. I appreciate you sharing these thoughts. Comma, Monica's favorite, like everybody Comma, else. Monica's favorite. Um, <laughs> she tells everybody. Monica tells everybody. And Sarah tells everybody. <laughs> thank you for sharing. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. This is, these are complicated days and interesting mm -hmm. days for the church. But um, it kind of gives me hope to hear people like you. We have a lot of great alums out there who mm -hmm. are sharing some really good thoughts on, on what's going on. So I appreciate you being a, a leader for the United Methodist Church right now. Well, thank you, Monica. And I appreciate that Emory and Henry is um, staying in the conversation with us too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that makes me really proud. We want to be United Methodist and we want to mm -hmm. love everybody. Mm -hmm. as, do, as does the United mm -hmm. Methodist Church, hopefully. Yeah, so. we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for being with us on the Duck Pond Wall. And thanks everyone for being with us today on the Duck Pond Wall. We hope you'll keep listening to WEHC because it is, after all, the voice of Southwest Virginia.